Well, welcome to Graceway Baptist Church once again. And uh, through the uh, miracle of everything, it's a week later and yet I'm still <laughs> wearing the same clothes. And uh, Gary and I get together and record these Sunday school lessons every Tuesday and I appreciate him so much and uh, you should as well because it benefits you. And uh, we needed to do two this week. So we're going to go ahead and say it's October the 15th. And uh, October the 15th is my son Taylor's birthday. Hard to believe he's getting as old as he is, man. And we're going to talk about hindrances. Now, one of the things that we know is that in the Christian life, even in the freedom that we have, even in the power that we have, we often have problems, don't we? It's not always easy. I've been um, to uh, help my health and my heart and all of that. I've been doing a lot of walking from uh, almost the day after I got home from my open heart surgery. Couldn't go very far. And I remember Sammy and Taylor were helping me. And we went across the street and down another little road to the first mailbox. And I said, oh, I've got to go back. And I wasn't exactly sure I was going to make it back, but I did. And uh, the next day went a little further and a little further after that. And then it, it got to where I could go for 30 minutes, 35 minutes, 45 minutes, uh, you know, a full mile. Then it was two miles. And uh, as of uh, the last few months, I've been incorporating some running in it. Uh, not going to win any marathons or anything like that, but do some walking and then do some running, do some walking, do some running and that type of thing. And uh, you know, who would have thought that uh, I could do anything like that? It's, it's a miraculous thing to be able to heal. But uh, with some of my eyesight problems, while I'm out on that road, sometimes the asphalt, there may be a chunk of it that's missing. And if I'm not careful and if I'm not watching and I'm not diligent, uh, I, I may sprain an ankle. I almost rolled an ankle one time because I stepped off of an edge and I didn't realize I was doing that. We have roadblocks. Sometimes when you're out trying to run like I am and you're not an expert, and you're not really, really good at it. And you're just kind of starting off on that in, at, you know, at 63. That's kind of weird. But uh, sometimes it's windy and sometimes the wind's blowing right in your face. Sometimes it may be really, really cold or really, really hot. There are things like that that can come your way. Sometimes you have to watch out for vehicles and you know, bicycles and different things like that. Uh, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm just saying that's when the Christian life is said to be a race. We've got to be ready for the hindrances that are going to come our way. And sometimes you see a brother or a sister that they're running along and then their foot steps off of the track and they fall and they uh, maybe break a bone or maybe they sprain an ankle or something like that. And that's where we're called. We'll get into that later in Galatians 6. That's where we're called to help one another because we do have these hindrances. Sometimes it comes head on and it's hard to run against the headwind or it's hard to run uphill or something like that. And sometimes these hindrances come into the forms of uh, what Paul would call here the, the Greek word could easily be translated roadblocks. We run into roadblocks and things that are set up by the enemy to try to deter us. Don't take this road, turn here and, and go this way. And uh, we all know that. So we've got to be aware of that. And uh, the race that we are in is not a sprint. It's not a 50-yard dash. 
I remember doing that when I was a kid on field day in elementary school, 50-yard dash. And then there were the long ones, the relays and those kind of things. Well, this is a marathon that we are in. It's for the long term. We've got to run, the Bible says, with endurance. Boy, does it ever take endurance. And it also is kind of a relay because there are people coming along behind us that one of these days we're going to hand the baton of our life and our ministry off to them. And so we've got to make sure that we make a clean exchange. We've got to make sure that they are ready so that they can carry on with the race that uh, we have set for them. Okay? So um, the Galatians here, we're going to find they started off well, but then they got hindered. And we're going to look at some of the hindrances, the roadblocks that sometimes slowed them down. Other times, like in the case of the Judaizers with the circumcision, it actually deterred them. They got off of the track and now they need to get back on and they need to start um, running again. And notice here, this isn't just a mistake that, well, we all make mistakes. Paul actually calls it disobedience. If you're not running the race with endurance, you are a disobedient believer. And that's a little bit hard to take, but that's exactly what he says. But the good news is that you can still run. And the good news is that you can go around the roadblocks and if you've gotten off, then get back to the track and, and go on with the will of God in spite of the roadblocks that the devil has put in front of you. So let's read the text, Galatians chapter 5. We'll read verses 7 through 15 and then we'll talk about some of the hindrances, some of the roadblocks that they face because indeed we face the same ones today. Amazing how that happens. Verse 15, you ran well. That tells us as they were actually saved, right? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. That would be God. A little leaven, yeast, leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you, the Judaizers, shall bear his judgment. Um, I just hit the pause button there. Shall bear his judgment, troubling God's children. You remember Jesus said, if you mess with one of these little ones, it's better that you have a millstone tied around your neck. I don't think that's only meaning children chronologically. I think it means the children of God, especially the babes in Christ. He who tr troubles you shall have his own judgment, whoever he is. So it's not just Judaizers, whoever they may be, uh, in our lifetime as well. Verse 11. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross is ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. We always try to get it wrong, don't we? Don't use your liberty to the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And uh, when we think about what he is saying there. Paul is saying that our doctrine, 
our belief and our security in Christ and our ability to stay on track and stay the course in spite of the roadblocks has an effect on our relationships, doesn't it? We don't want to bite and devour one another and always be mad and be in an argument and trip up other people while they're trying to run the race. That's what he's saying. It's a picture of a pack of runners here. And, uh, you know, while you're running along, you just elbow another person and make them fall and break an ankle or something like that. Well, we're not doing that. And we're not cheating either. We're not trying to get off of the track so we can take a, a shortcut and get in a taxi and ride it and then pick up the track later on or anything like that. No, it's not like that. This is something that we want to run the race for the glory of God with endurance. And we want to help our brothers and sisters along the way. And let's just say it along the race. But we've got to be aware of the things that are going to hinder us. And if you're not aware of the roadblocks, if you are not watching for them, you may become a victim to them. Uh, sometimes you may have somebody, do you remember the old Roadrunner cartoons? I used to love that. It's probably not politically correct now. But uh, Wiley Coyote, he was always trying to be tricky. And he would put up detour signs to get the Roadrunner off so he could drop an anvil on him or something like that. Remember how funny those things were? And I always liked it when the coyote uh, slipped up and then he fell off of the cliff. And, you know, there was a, you know, a poof of dust when he hit the ground. But uh, th those were fun. I don't suppose uh, they're politically correct anymore. But think about it. In verses 1 through 8, it's clear that the enemy sets up roadblocks for all of us. And uh, they slow us down or they deter us, and sometimes they harm us. So he says, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. So think of it like this. We, all, we know the enemy does it. So what are the roadblocks? Number one, the roadblock that seems insignificant. I think more people get tripped up because whatever is there hindering them, it doesn't seem like any big deal. It, it may be that uh, the wind is blowing straight out of the north and you're going to be running into the north. It's really, really cold and you didn't dress right for it. You've got on your shorts, you've got on a tank top, and uh, you're going out there trying to run in that. And after a while, I mean, you just quit. You just give up and uh, you, you just can't quite do it. You're getting frostbite or something like that. I know that's pretty extreme, but, you know, sometimes we don't take the weather uh, very seriously. And there are times, and, and it works the same way with heat. There are some times you go, oh, it's not all that hot. And then when you get out in it and you start working and running or whatever you're doing, man, you're about to burn up, have a heat stroke. But they got you because they didn't seem like a big deal. That little place on the side of the road that you don't think is a big deal might be the thing that causes you to roll an ankle or something like that. There are little things, maybe, maybe rocks, Maybe there is some uh, gravel, let's, let's call it that, gravel that's on there that could cause you to lose your footing. It didn't seem like a big deal. You didn't even notice it till you hit it, and then you, uh, you know, have trouble. When I was uh, a kid, we lived in San Francisco, and a friend of mine and I were um, in one of those big hills, and we were on the uh, army post there, the Presidio, so we weren't in the main part of town. But these hills were just like what you see when you're in downtown San Francisco. 
And we got up to the top of that hill with our 10-speed bikes. They were so steep, we couldn't even make it all the way riding. We had to get off and walk. And then when we got up there, I said, let's go. And we got on. And these were in the days when we didn't wear helmets or anything like that. And we had the 10-speed bikes with the 27-inch rims. And the, the tire part of it was really narrow, not much surface uh, onto the asphalt. And we were going and we're going around these curves and I had a speedometer on my bike. I know they're not terribly accurate, but uh, I pegged it at 55 miles an hour going downhill on a 10 speed bike. Now, you know what I think about now? What if I'd come around one of those curves and there's a car coming up there who was just a little bit over the line trying to make it around? That, that could have been bad news because I couldn't have stopped or avoided it. And then I thought, well, what if it was something just like sand that was on the road? That's a sandy area because of the beaches and things. And what if I'd hit that and lost all of my traction? And I think about that now, but I didn't give it a single thought then. Isn't it amazing? We think a lot of times, no big deal. So there's some sand on the road. I've been on sand before, not a big deal. But when you're going too fast, it could be a big deal. How many times do you get tripped up and it's not by the big things? I think about the apostle Peter. Jesus said to him, you're going to deny me three times, but I prayed for you and you're going to return to the faith. And Peter goes, no, absolutely not. Everyone else will, but I will never deny you. I will die for you. You know what? I think Peter meant that. I don't think that was a boast. I think it was his actual intent because he ends up at the courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest. You don't do that if you're a coward. And uh, Jesus is being tried during that time. I think if anybody had come to Peter with a sword and said, deny Christ or die, I think Peter would have been a martyr that, that particular night. I don't think there's any way in the world you could have gotten him to deny the Lord. But somebody comes up and asks an innocent question. Aren't you, aren't you one of those disciples with him? And it seemed like such a little thing. And you know what he did? He fell for the little thing. He fell for the surprise. He fell for the hindrance that he didn't see coming. Not once, not twice, but three times. And then the rooster crows and he wept bitterly. You know, I identify with that. I imagine you identify with it too. That if somebody came up and they said, uh, commit adultery, be unfaithful to your wife, or I'm going to put a bullet in your head. Oh, you're just going to have to kill me. I'm not going to do that. But there are little compromises that take place every day that defeat us in so many areas of life because they seem insignificant, insignificant. And so when Paul says here, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, you don't, uh, if, if you're making bread, and you have like, you know, a, a big pile of it that's going to fit in the loaf pan. You don't uh, put an equal part yeast in that. It just takes a little bit to cause the whole loaf to rise. And you have to let it rise, of course, before you bake it. But you don't put too much yeast, but you do have to put enough. And, and Paul's point here, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's like circumcision seemed like not that big a deal. And it wasn't. And all of the Jews had been circumcised. And if a Gentile wanted to be, there's nothing wrong with that. Or 
if they want to use that to say that I'm more worthy and I'm a better Christian and I'm more acceptable to God because of that, now it becomes a problem. And that leads to bigger things because it never stays small. It always gets bigger and it spreads to other people. And so we have to be careful. There's a roadblock of insignificance. And so those little things are what are going to get you. And it's the little things that are going to trip you up just like it did the Apostle Peter. Okay, so uh, let's see. Paul uh, circumcised Timothy because Timothy's mother was Jewish and his dad was a Greek. And he thought it would be better and cause Timothy with a Jewish mother. He was considered Jewish. So if he's circumcised, he can fit in with all of that. It'll help his preaching. It'll help his relationships. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, but the point is the reasons for doing that in Acts uh, chapter 15, verse one, they were teaching that it is necessary for salvation. Don't let the little things trip you up. Number two, there's a roadblock of avoiding persecution. Uh, Paul says, look, I came out of all of that. Paul had been circumcised. Paul kept the law. Paul was a Pharisee before he was saved. And Paul's point is, Hey, if I didn't think this were a big deal, like you're trying to say it's no big deal, that first of all, it's the little things like the leaven that get us. And secondly, if, if that's the case, then why don't I just give this whole thing up and join them and all of my persecution would cease? Everything would be over because Paul perfectly met the qualifications to be a Judaizer. He just didn't want to because he knew they were wrong and he didn't want to be entangled in a yoke of uh, bondage, as we saw in the last lesson. And he says that if I were to do that and go back to all of that, I might get rid of the persecution, but I also would get rid of something else. Look what he says. Then the offense of the cross has ceased. Now that might make life easier, but it also would reveal that he had never been born again and that he was trusting in something else, something that could never save him like the cross. The Amplified Version puts it like this. But as for me, brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision as I had done before I met Christ, and as some accuse me of doing now as necessary for salvation, then why am I still being persecuted by Jews? In that case, the stumbling block of the cross to unbelieving Jews has been abolished. In other words, we all agree. But Paul said, no, that's a line I can't cross. That is a red line. I cannot go back to all of that because it's either truth or it's a lie. It's like fire and ice and oil and water. It just doesn't mix. And he would have been stepping back into the old life that would prove him to be a false convert because 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 says, they went out from us but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they were not of us. Okay? So the third thing, what about the roadblock of unrestrained, senseless legalism? You know, it never ends where the legalist wants it to. It always goes to something else. It inflates our ego and our pride. Look, I've done what God wants me to do and you haven't and these other people haven't. Oh, what a good boy am I, you know, kind of uh, thinking here. 
and uh, it gets bigger and it gets worse. It never, ever stops. Now, it's unrestrained, senseless legalism. Now, those who trouble you, those were the Judaizers. And Paul says in verse 12, I could wish that those who trouble you, in other words, they don't bless you. They're not helping you. They're not encouraging you. They're not building you up. They are troubling you. They're a part of the hindrance here that we see. And then Paul says something very blunt and something that uh, would raise a few eyebrows. And he says this, I wish those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Yeah, it's what you think it is. It's the word in the Greek for castration, emasculation. I mean, that's, that's actually what he's saying. And it's uh, a little bit uh, humorous as the way that he puts that. There was a Greek cult uh, near there, and it was uh, dedicated to the goddess of Sibeli, uh, and uh, they actually would practice self-emasculation. The men would. Gosh, can you imagine anything like that? And it was in nearby Phrygia, not far from the region of Galatia. Paul may have had that in mind, but really that's not the point that matters. It's as if Paul is saying, hey, if a small cut, circumcision, if that's good, then a big one would be a whole lot better. Kind of like people say with medicine. If a little bit does a little bit of good, then we'll take twice as much and it'll do twice as much good. No, actually, uh, that's what could kill you. And so this is what Paul is saying, and he's saying it in a way that they really would get it, and it was supposed to be shocking. It was supposed to be something that made you go, oh, I can't believe he would even say something like that in polite company. And uh, that, that's his point. And he is saying that a little leaven leavens a whole lump. And uh, I mean, if you're going to do that, then this is going to lead to something a whole lot bigger than anybody ever intended or ever thought it would. It'll lead to more. It'll lead to bigger things. It'll lead to more destructive things. And so Paul's point here is if you stray outside of or beyond the authority and the boundaries of Scripture, then why not go as far as possible? And that's really what always happens. So we've got to stay in the realm of the gospel and of the word of God. Okay. Number four, there's the roadblock of selfishness. So we've talked about the roadblock of insignificance, right? And we talk about the uh, other roadblocks here, avoiding persecution. I mean, Paul's saying, why do I do all of this? Why do I stand on this? It would be so much easier if I just wouldn't do it. Yeah, but it would be wrong also. It would be an untruth. It would make you a liar, Paul. And it would also cut you off from the uh, kingdom of heaven. And so uh, we don't want to follow that. But we also don't want to fall prey to the roadblock of selfishness. Now, because of our depravity and because of our fallen nature, we all have this tendency to be selfish. You know what destroys marriages? Selfishness and immaturity. You know what destroys relationships and friendships? Immaturity and selfishness. You know what splits churches? Immaturity and selfishness. Let's just call it what it is. That's what it boils down to, because mature people can work things out. Mature people don't always demand to absolutely have their own way. In fact, mature people, mature believers, would yield all of their wants, their desires, and their preferences 
to the authority of the Word of God. The Word of God is the only thing that has authority in the church. And so we've got to go with the Scripture. This is God's Word. And you can't be selfish and yield to the Scriptures. You've got to die to self, in fact. And there's just not enough of that, is there? And he says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use the liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. So what he is saying here is, be careful. We always have this tendency to get selfish. Did I like it? Did I participate in it? Was I recognized for it? Did I have my way? And did people listen to me? And was I included? All of those kind of things. We've all heard those. We've all felt those kind of things, even in the church. Why wasn't I consulted? Why wasn't my idea listened to? You know, on and on and on we can go. And Paul said this is the way that contradicts the freedom that we've been called into. That may be the way of the old nature, and it is. Watch toddlers try to play together. You have to teach them to share. Oh, I know every once in a while that sweet little baby may give you a bite of their cupcake or something like that, but that's not normal. And that's not what they do all the time. Most of the time, they fight for the toy. They fight for the popsicle. They fight for the cupcake. I sound experienced, don't I? And uh, that's the way we are. And sometimes as adults, we act like toddlers in the way that we treat our spouse, in the way that we treat people in the workplace, in the way that we treat people even in the church. It's possible. Paul was writing to believers. He confirms that they're believers. But he says, you've got to watch out. Now, note that the key was when he said, you've been called to liberty, but don't use your liberty as a cloak or a reason for sin and for selfishness. Paul said at one point in another letter, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient or helpful. In other words, there are some things you could do and it wouldn't be sin, but it also wouldn't be helpful. It wouldn't be a blessing. It would stumble other people. It would hinder you. Paul says selfishness is at the root of all of that. In fact, somebody said one time that sin, S-I-N, is selfishness at its core. And that's not far off. We all have this tendency to want our own way. And that's the root of road rage and things like that. So if I come out here and pull out of the church parking lot... Back when we first uh, came to Graceway, you know, nobody was on 104th Street. And you could turn left, you could turn right, you could do whatever you wanted to do even during rush hour. Oh my goodness, it's not that way anymore. If you want to kind of lose your religion, uh, come here on a, at 5 o'clock on a weekday and try to make a left turn out of our church parking lot. Oh man, it is aggravating. When the traffic's not coming one way, it is from another. And when it clears up from that direction, here comes a stray car or something that keeps you from going. And then another traffic light changes and here comes a whole bunch, right? And uh, we think about that, how easy it is to uh, have everything be wonderful and you're right with the Lord. 
until you get there and it's like, oh, why can't these people just go away, stay home? Why are they in my way? And, and you can get really selfish. And that's why you get mad when somebody pulls over into your lane and when they drive too slow and, you know, different stuff like that. And granted, sometimes they do it and they're being stupid and dangerous while they're doing it. But nonetheless, that's what comes out. We have this tendency to be selfish. We notice, we notice at the church fellowship when they're giving out slices of cake, when somebody got a bigger slice than we did, and it may not even matter, it may be just a little bit different, but we, we notice, we notice. We notice that when from the uh, stage of the platform, maybe Brother Dale or I mention somebody and we thank them, and then you go, well, why didn't you thank me? I helped them too. And, you know, we just forget. We don't remember everything. Sometimes in prayer requests, why wouldn't my name mentioned? Somebody else has mentioned. We, we just notice those things. My father-in-law put it this way. Did you notice that nobody noticed? And that's what we've got to die to. That's what we've got to get rid of. That's that no personal rights thing, denying self, as Christ put it. And Paul said we can use our liberty in Christ to say, you know what, if I'm free in Christ, I've always wanted to do this. And so we do something that stumbles a whole lot of other people or makes us look like a fool. I think about a lot of Christians that use their Christian liberty and then they get drunk and and in their drunken state, they make a fool of themselves or they get involved in immorality. And man, I've picked up enough pieces in families from stuff like that. Would have been just better if they just left it all alone. Okay, now you can make the case that, oh, well, you know, it's not a not a sin. Yeah, but is it helpful? Is it expedient to use Paul's word? And sometimes we use liberty as an opportunity to do what we want and impose it upon other people. Why? Because it must be right. It seems good to me. Oh, wait a minute. Seems like in Proverbs, it says there's a way that seems right to a man but the end thereof are the ways of destruction. That's one of the ways that the enemy will get you. If he can't get you with the other ones, it's real easy to take advantage of our fallen nature and just cause us to become selfish, lose the anointing of God and the blessing of God to hurt other people and to self-destruct in our own lives. You understand that? And so we look at these roadblocks and we've got to understand the enemy's going to put them out there. And sometimes, you know, they may not seem like they are much. And sometimes they seem really big. And sometimes it seems like the easy way out. And yet what happens? We all get in trouble for that because we're called to liberty. We're called to rest in Christ. We're called to serve other people. And it's not for the purpose of sin, but for the purpose of love and to bring peace and unity in the gospel. And we're never going to find any kind of peace until we do what the scripture says. So can you identify with the things that the enemy uses to hinder you? What are they? They might not be exactly what we talked about here, but what are they? Are you aware of them and are you taking steps to avoid them and not to follow those signs that Wiley Coyote puts up that says detour when it's really leading you into a trap. You get what I'm saying? So I pray that you do and I pray that the Lord blesses you and pray that you maintain your freedom while you run the race for the gospel of Christ and the glory of God. 
okay? We've had enough rolled ankles, enough broken bones, enough skin knees, enough disgrace and embarrassment and all of that. Let's run the race with endurance and with diligence and let's avoid the hindrances. Let's avoid the roadblocks, especially those who have been so clearly identified for us, okay? Well, thank you for your time. May the Lord bless you. I'll pray for you as you teach this to your class. And thank you for those of you who watch this simply to keep up with your class. I think that's a great thing. God bless you for all of that. And uh, we will see you uh, next week for the next lesson. God bless and thank you.